messages will be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey everybody, welcome to After These Messages, the podcast where we talk about TV commercials. The really good ones, the really bad ones, and the ones where people say weird shit like this. My goodness, it's a telephone inside of a football. Hello, Colleen. This is fantastic. I'm at the stadium right now. I have a football phone. This would be a good time for me to point out that I still do not have my Sports Illustrated football phone. I don't know why it's taken me so long to receive one for Christmas, co-host Genevieve has. Well, um, I think I'm going to have to invent a time machine. Uh Uh-huh. To get you a football phone, uh, so maybe if you get me a time machine, I can get you a football phone. Okay, I will work on that. We're going to have to get a time machine pretty soon just to go to back to a time when we had landlines, let alone Sports Illustrated football phones. Hey, Genevieve, how are you doing today? You're a little under the weather, huh? Yeah, I've been, I'm, re- I'm recovering from a bout of strep throat, but I feel fine, and I'm excited to talk about our Super Bowl, the Super Bowl. The, this is the Super Bowl of podcasts? Is this, oh, wait, are we allowed to say Super Bowl now, or should we say this is like the World Series of football? Football. Well, we said it last week and yeah. nobody sued us yet, so I think so far so good. Yeah, this is the closest thing, I guess you would say, that uh, after these messages has to breaking news coverage. <laughs> of course, we're recording this on uh, Monday, the day after the uh, after the World Series of Football, a.k.a. the Super Bowl. And uh, usually we would have recorded earlier in the week, but we wanted to make sure that we talked about all the buzz, everything that happened in yesterday's uh, big golden game. Um, so here's the deal, Vives. You and I were a Super Bowl party yesterday, and you were sitting as close to the TV as possible, taking kind of copious notes during the commercial break. I was really just writing down the ads that I saw. It's how, it make, you make it sound like I was doing some sort of deep scholarship. It was very rudimentary. Well, you looked very studious, and everybody was impressed with it. And and the host of the party kept on pointing to us and saying, look at those guys. They do a podcast about commercials. And that made me feel like a little, I don't know, self-conscious about the whole situation. And then what started to really make me feel self-conscious was um, there was clearly a fellow in the room who had so much more background knowledge on every single commercial that came on the TV. And then I started to feel like, oh, my God, I felt like the biggest imposter in the world. I'm like, this guy should be hosting after these messages, not me. And then I thought, well, at the very least, he should be on the show tomorrow. And I said, hey, hey, fella, I know we just met about an hour ago, but is there any chance you could try to make us look better on our podcast tomorrow? And he graciously said yes. His name is Maurice Poplar. He's a writer and a director, and he's got an upcoming film called Donovan Quixote. I assume that is about the 60s folk singer Donovan. Is that right, Maurice? Not quite, but, you know, it's a fun little flick. (laughs) Thanks for – hello. Thank you for doing this with us. Thanks for having me on the show, Andrew and Genevieve. What, was fun. what was your um, both of you guys? How did you feel about the commercial viewing experience yesterday? I like a good Super Bowl party because people come in and out of the room. There's a lot of chatter, a lot of talking. But I, I feel like I wasn't really able to view the commercials that well. We had to kind of watch them all online, either before or after the after the Super Bowl. Um, the thing that really interests me was how you know because people were having fun and drinking and you know eating their wings. The ones that didn't have a very high visual component, I didn't really get. Yeah. And isn't that – and that's kind of exactly where I was going with this because I sort of feel like our experience yesterday was the common experience of a Super Bowl watching party. It wasn't a huge party. I don't know what – maybe there were 20 of us there or something. Not even. And and again, it was a really good time and that's how I like to watch the Super Bowl, especially when my team isn't in it. You know, you're mostly paying attention to the game. You're mostly paying attention to the commercials. But – for the most part, you're not in a situation where everybody's like, shut up, shut up, shut up, and then turn up the volume on the commercials. <laughs> I was talking to a friend this morning who actually says that is how they do it. I don't feel like most people do that, and I'm kind of surprised advertisers – well, I don't know. Maybe advertisers do expect us to do that shut up, shut up, shut up thing. Yeah, I think there is uh, – I, I saw some statistics today, and I think something like 17% of people surveyed, of American adults surveyed, said that they watched the Super Bowl – more for the commercials than the game. And that's about half of the the number or the percentage of adults who say they watch it for the game. I think that probably changes 
you know, depending on how much how much skin you have in the game. It's interesting because it was kind of an interesting uh, I, for me anyway. It was an interesting game, interesting football game. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly care about either the Broncos or the Panthers, but it was competitive enough and the score was close enough um, that it was interesting to me. So I was actually watching the game, and then when the commercials came on, even though I'm interested in the commercials, both sort of quasi professionally and personally, you know, I had. Uh, snack plates to fill up and and bathroom breaks to take Mm so something's got to give when you're watching a a three-hour four-hour tv event like that but i I, to to answer your first question andrew as far as like my big takeaway i was a little underwhelmed not that it was terrible not that there were weren't some funny moments but it was like nothing that that really stood out to me and i'm with you i think the ones that have a real talky narrative are harder for uh, Super Bowl audiences to pay attention to because other stuff is happening, conversations are happening. It's the ones that have a real visual takeaway that I think do the best in that environment, that very like loud party environment. Yeah, I think the New York Times um, yesterday described the batch of Super Bowl ads this year as being kind of unsurprising and your usual uh, babies, animals, and, and celebrities. And celebrities. Um, what What was your takeaway, Maurice? Were you more impressed than we were? Um, you know, I had a couple favorites, but um, one of the ones that I, I was lukewarm about was uh, the walk-in closet. Oh, yeah. And that just really didn't work. You know, this guy goes into a room, he sees Christopher Walken, and then he, he, Christopher Walken's pointing to a car with a sock on his hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought it was, you know, clever enough, but it's like, oh, there's Christopher Walken. In the walk-in and closet. For those who didn't see it, the takeaway was this guy walks into his walk-in closet and all of his suits are beige, all of his pants are beige, and he's looking for a pair of socks that are beige. And Christopher Walken is sitting there in the closet holding his beige socks saying, basically, dude, your life is really boring. Wouldn't you be more interested in a sock like this? And he's got another sock on his hand that's like, you know, uh, all colorful and polka dotty. And the whole thing is a... Um, what a comparison to a car. What car it's were they Kia. selling? And, oh, yeah. you know, you should know that, Andrew, because we did a voice, uh, name that voice actor game fairly recently, oh, and Walken right. is the Kia spokesman right, right now. Right, right, right. To me, the the only funny, the, I thought that ad was kind of a dud as well. The funniest thing to me is the pun of walk-in closet, walk-in closet. Right, well, that's, that's kind of what I was going That's like say. the best part of it. And that's like, that is a classic... Uh, Andrew Walsh humor mistake <laughs> that I make in our private life all the time. Like I will come up with something that is like kind of a what I think to be like a clever play on words that is only funny for about one second. But then I try to reverse engineer a whole joke right. around it or something like that, or a whole product around it. And that's kind of what they did. They had like one tiny little pun, and then they spent. $10 million yeah. <laughs> just for airing it on the Super Bowl. Yeah, do, do you guys, fun fact, how much do you think uh, 30 seconds of airtime for a Super Bowl ad cost this year? I th- oh. thought I knew. You take a you take a stab at it, Maurice. Uh, I, what, in the $50 million range? Not quite that order of magnitude, $5 million, but $5, $5 million, million? Okay. for 30 seconds. That's, uh, that's, wow. that's double what it was 10 years ago, roughly. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I, I think I had read that somewhere. I want to uh, talk about this other commercial that happened. This seems – I'm not saying it's the best commercial, but it seems like it's one of the buzziest ones. And I don't know if that's because it happened right at the very beginning of the game. This is the uh, Avocados from Mexico ad. So the quick setup here is there's some sort of futuristic, I guess, uh, space station-y set. And there's a bunch of kind of humanoid aliens with kind of funny, like Star Trekky kind of makeup to indicate that they're aliens. And they're walking through this museum. And it's clearly like a museum of the 20th century. This takes place in the future. And um, I'm going to play the audio of it. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. This alien is giving a tour of this museum to a bunch of other aliens. Behold the bounty of Earth. This is the cube of Rubik. This simple puzzle was actually considered unsolvable by the humans. Did they not have brains? Um, Simple ones. Now, this was apparently a 21st century torture device. He's showing a bunch of people sitting in airplane seats that are uh, way too close together. How long would they keep them strapped in there? Sometimes hours at a time. Pretty gruesome. And over here we have their alphabet. It was called emoji. Few symbols could express the vast extent of their emotion. Uh, They had chia pets. Just like we do. <laughs> and this is the white and gold dress that caused the Civil War. This is Scott Bayo. But most amazing of all are the avocados from Mexico. They're always in season, so you can enjoy them all year long. Anybody want to feed Scott Bayo? It's included in the price of admission. No? 
I think there's a bunch. Did you just say this on the microphone or before the show, Genevieve, that this is a commercial with a lot of good little standalone jokes, but it just does not stick the landing to me. I don't understand what the... I don't understand what they're going they're for. They're working so hard with the the visuals and the all these references, the blue and black slash white and gold dress, the emoji joke, the, the airplane joke. They're working so hard with all these jokes. And I think that a lot of them are actually pretty effective and, and it's well delivered. But it kind of distracts me from the, you know, from the actual product. I bet you in five years I'll remember something about this ad, but I won't remember what it was for. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Maurice? Well, kind of back to my one note, I think it played well if it was loud. Yeah. And, you know, I, I agree the jokes weren't as strong as I think they could have been, but yeah, the delivery was interesting because it was like, okay, Mexican avocados, all right. They, they, they made it into the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a weird new product thing. I almost feel like this type of commercial would work for a product that is already iconic, like Coca-Cola or something like mm. that. Like to have this – the premise be this is a museum of the things that were really important in the 20th century. And then the payoff is, oh, they liked like Mexican – avocados you're just like what that doesn't it just didn't quite work again some good little individual jokes but not the most amazing commercial for my money by the way i want to ask you maurice um as an editor filmmaker somebody who works in the business have you worked on a lot of commercials or any commercials um i've done a few dozen like for a lot of mom and pop shops i kind of play in the tech space by day and i really like um you know stuff that deals with technology um i did some for a local credit union in los angeles uh, a company that they, they work with files that lawyers work with, and they're really trying to translate it and make it into layman's terms. Well, it's the closest thing we have to a, a commercial expert is certainly in the room right now. We're just going to pretend you're in the same room with us. Nobody will know. <laughs> Nobody will know you're on the phone. Um, what commercials really stood out to you yesterday? I think my favorite was uh, the Doritos Ultrasound. Yeah. Um, it was edgy. It was fun. Yeah, I, I thought it was really effective for the same reason that some of these other ones we were talking about weren't as effective because it was uh, totally understandable from the visuals. Yes. The the dialogue was incidental. Uh, you got it completely from the visuals. So if the sound was down, if it was a loud party, you still get the joke and you absolutely associate this joke with the product. Uh, it was right. also, I think, the most buzzy of the commercials and it caused, I think, some pretty diverse reactions uh some of them were pretty negative but it but it got people talking now should we describe oh. it i mean is there a chance anybody's listening to this and they haven't seen that ad i'll describe it I from memory it has dialogue <laughs> I, I don't think it does again like i think that is the key that is honestly kind of my takeaway from this and um i i think that the commercial makers are going to keep on making these narratives that are more and more visual so you can follow it in this particular one and you guys can jump in and correct me when i screw this up but uh you have a woman uh, not necessarily in labor, right? She's just getting a, She's an getting, ultrasound yeah, checkup or something. Pregnant a very, woman. very, a very pregnant woman is getting an ultrasound. Um, the doctor is showing them the fetus, which is unlike a real ultrasound, very uh, recognizable as a human infant. Um, right. The dad is kind of disinterestedly eating Doritos, and his wife uh, rolls her eyes. When the dad moves the Dorito back and forth, they all notice that the baby's head follows the Dorito. Mm-hmm. The, the ultrasound baby's head follows the Dorito. The mother, in a you know, in exasperation, grabs the Dorito and throws it across the room. And then the the baby kicking itself out of her womb right. to go after the Dorito. Twitter had a pretty uh, polarized reaction to this. There were, there were a few people who tweeted things like, oh, what was the meeting about for this one? Let's start with a premature delivered baby uh, and go from there. And and I think they, they actually go to some lengths at the beginning of the ad, if you listen to the dialogue, to say, you're due any day, Mrs. Johnson. Uh-oh. Kind of to make the point that it's not going to be some, you know, horribly unhealthy preemie. But I think it's still it's still sort of a polarizing narrative. Did it, didn't you say that some people like on both sides of the abortion debate were trying to like I would take wow. issue with I, I saw some people uh, on the right trying to gin up the idea that this is making pro-choice people mad because it depicts a fetus as a person, I, I think that that's a little bit of a manufactured controversy. I certainly don't think anyone who, any serious person 
could see this as either a pro-life or pro-choice uh, commentary. I'm going to say one of the most, I guess, kind of controversial ads, or the one that everybody uh, everybody's loving to hate this morning, was the Mountain Dew Kickstart uh, ad. Kickstart being one of their uh, special, uh, you know, kind of... Uh, what do you call it? Offshoot brands. Genevieve, we talked about an early Kickstart ad uh, a long time ago, maybe even on our first show, that always got under your skin. And I think most people saw it. It kind of, they really saturated the market with it. It's like three bros or four bros sitting on a couch, and then they crack open a can of Mountain Dew Kickstart, and then everything starts dancing. The dog in the room starts dancing. The the deer head on the wall starts dancing. I believe the couch starts dancing. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah, we talked about it on, on our, as an example of the kind of deliberately weird ads in our weird ad show. Um, this absolutely stays with that uh, sort of theme or idea. It's meant to get people talking. It's meant to get people to sit up and notice. I thought it was effective sort of in the same way that the Doritos one was effective because it's all visual. Yeah, I'm going to play a little bit of it anyway, though, to give you a sense of the weird audio. This is the ad, if you haven't guessed it yet, uh, that is entitled puppy monkey baby and you have three guys sitting on the couch staring off in space probably stoned although that's only implied uh and then somebody i believe cracks open a mountain dew kickstart and a creature that is best described as a puppy monkey baby comes out and starts effing with them it's got the head of a dog the body of a monkey and the 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 legs of a baby i think yeah man i might just chill tonight Puppy monkey baby. 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 It starts licking one of the guys' face, and then they all start dancing around with this, uh, I guess, the most hideous creature ever to appear in a TV commercial, I suppose. I don't know, Maurice. What do you think? It didn't do it for me. I am not compelled or interested in Mm -hmm. Mountain Dew's version of an energy drink at this point. I gotta say, it works for me, but not for the reason that they want it to. I was basically just sold with the purple can. Like, I love grape soda, and I drank it a lot as a kid, and I haven't had it in a really long time. So I was sitting there during the Super Bowl thinking, like, ooh, I want grape soda. But it had nothing to do with Puppy Monkey Baby. Uh, it doesn't bother me. It actually, I, I kind of like it. I think it's Puppy Monkey Baby will become one of those phrases that uh, enters the zeitgeist, at least for a little bit. And unlike the one with the dog, which did a dance that I found unpleasant to watch, this one doesn't bother me. (laughs) I want to talk about – I'm going to skip ahead to what I think are my – these might be my favorite two ads uh, from Super Bowl Sunday. There were two ads for Turkish Airlines. Uh, one is a tie-in to the – well, I guess they're both the tie-ins to the upcoming Batman versus Superman movie. And I think, Viv, if I just play this, it'll be kind of self-explanatory, right? As the airline that flies to more countries than any other, Turkish Airlines is pleased to announce a new destination, Gotham City. A city that's risen above its past to become a thriving urban center. Thanks to a significant grant from my company, Wayne Enterprises, Gotham is being restored to its former glory. From the legendary Gotham Opera House to the nightlife of the New Bowery, take a trip to a city that never stops. Discover why Gotham City is great again. And who knows, you may even catch a glimpse of a local celebrity. There's never been a better time to visit our great city. So book your flight now on Turkish Airlines. I think this was such an interesting cross-promotion between the Batman vs. Superman movie and Turkish Airlines. For one thing, there's a companion ad to that uh, for Visit Metropolis. Turkish Mm -hmm. Airlines now flies to Metropolis. I don't really understand what Turkish Airlines is doing here. I found it actually to be a fairly compelling ad for the new movie, but I don't really know where Turkish Airlines flies in the real world. It seems to be a strange overlap with a very American sort of comic book or, you know, idea like this Batman Superman uh, uh, movies are are very American in their kind of cultural, sort of American cultural touchstones. So I don't really know what Turkish Airlines is doing in this world. And I don't know very much about them, except that they seem to be kind of a luxury brand because they're they're associating themselves with these cart, you know, these imaginary or fictional 
uh, millionaires. So right. I, I don't know. I, it was a good ad, but I, I don't really know what, what I'm going to purchase from it other than a ticket to the movie. What do you think, Maurice? Well, I mean, as, as kind of uh, a, a car-carrying nerd, <laughs> <laughs> I am a... Uh, I'm, I'm one of those, you know, in the Civil War between Marvel and DC. Mm. And uh, I thought it was really interesting because, well, that end joke is that Turkish Airlines goes everywhere, even these imaginary places. I also like the fact that they compare Bruce Wayne, who we know is a good guy, Batman, with Lex Luthor and the other one, who is a bad guy, and both of them are, you know, the, the wealthy people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, that, that was That was interesting, but... I agree. It didn't tell me what Turkish Airlines was about, except for luxury. I also know Kobe Bryant is a big um, spokesperson for them. So, you know, they really kind of aim toward, like, uh, I don't want to say Uber mentioned, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> super, super feats and, um, and luxury. But what it just interested me was how I, I feel like this movie is coming out in a couple weeks. I mean, maybe 8, 12 weeks, and... Um, I would have expected a lot more. I feel like um, from the Marvel side of the house, we got a lot more compelling stuff um, this year in the Super Bowl than we got from kind of what seems to be DC's make-it-or-break-it effort. Yeah, there was one uh, in in this in this year's commercials for um, it was definitely it was for Coca Cola. It was another kind of cross promotional effort with Coca Cola and with Marvel, with Ant Man mm-hmm. and with uh, the Hulk, which I guess suggests that Ant Man will be in the next Avenger movie. Um, noteworthily, they didn't get either Paul either Rudd. Actor, actor, I think right. they got Paul Rudd's voice, but they didn't get him uh, on screen. They didn't get um, Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. They just had their characters, which don't really require right. the actors to be on screen. Um, but so, yeah, so there was that was a Marvel um, entry. What was it? Was, was there anything else for Marvel? Was there an Avengers, well, they, a new Avengers commercial? Or did I see that after I came home late yeah, at night? They had a Avengers, uh, uh, no, sorry, Captain America Civil War oh, right. um, okay. clip. And, you know, they, they added one really cool scene of, you know, Tony Stark putting on not his whole suit of armor, but just his glove and stopping a bullet. <laughs> and um, I, I felt like that, that moved the ball. But I was really surprised not to see more. And do you guys mind if I jump to my favorite movie commercial? Please. Um, I was so pleasantly surprised to see the Jason Bourne yeah. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> That was awesome. Right. Thought, um, Jeremy Renner wasn't doing it for you as the newborn? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you know, it, I, I, I wasn't expecting it. It was one of those pleasant surprises. Yeah, I'm excited to see Matt Damon is back as Jason Bourne, too. By the way, I said Avengers before. I'm pretty sure there actually was an X-Men movie commercial we yes, saw. Yes, there right? was yep. an X-Men. You're right. So there was, yeah, you're right, Maurice. There's quite a lot of Marvel on screen yesterday, not too much DC. And you're right. You would think they would be all in on this Batman versus Superman. I got to say, not to belabor, but I really did like the um, Turkish Air ad. And I think you guys are right. I'm thinking about it more and more about just trying to appeal to the luxury brands. Like, as an average consumer, like, you can put any airline commercial on TV, maybe with the exception of maybe the promise of more leg room or not baggage fees or something, I'm going to go on Travelocity or whatever right. website, and I'm just going to get whatever is the most affordable and fits my schedule. It's not going to get me to buy a ticket on Turkish Airlines, but I just loved, I mean, I also just like Batman, but I just, I love the kind of um, high production, glossy parody of a travel commercial yeah. done in a fake comic book land. Yeah, I thought I did think that the um, the way they produced it and the style they totally nail the, um, the the style of filming and the way that actors are always standing in these beautiful light filled penthouses, staring off into the distance. Uh, yeah, totally the way a luxury a luxury airline always portrays itself, and to do so in the service of this fictional world. I thought you know it's great, but like you said. I mean, I'm not their target audience. I'm never going to fly into right, 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 right. Do you guys think, I want to, we'll roll through some more commercials here, but Maurice especially, I wanted to get your take on this. You know, during, as I mentioned in the intro, we're watching these commercials yesterday, and you knew so much about so many of them. You'd probably seen more than half of them online before they, uh, before they hit the air. Veeves and I had seen a bunch of them as well. Do you guys like that trend, the idea that we're not all waiting for Super Bowl Sunday anymore to see the big ads, but instead it's like an entire week of build up just for commercials it's like commercial week in america i personally love it because i really like commercials and i think kind of at their best 
you can be part of a story, you can engage in it, pop in, pop out, and walk away. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take up too much of your life. So you don't think um, that putting it online first kind of ruins the fun of Super Bowl Sunday and seeing what they've cooked up for us? Well, it's interesting you say that because, A, I don't. Um, that's why I, I was online most of the time. Yeah, I guess, stuff. yeah. But, B, with certain companies like Taco Bell put out trailers to their commercials. Mm-hmm. And so they had people with the, the, the green screen brick um, advertising the, uh, what is it, the quesalupa? Oh, God. And they, they were saying, this is so top secret. I can't, I don't even know what it is. And, you know, they were using the opportunity that people are obviously interested in the commercials ahead of time to build buzz for the commercials that were coming. When and you I say the, when you say the brick, I don't think everybody kind of knows the backstory of that ad. So they they were online saying well, during the Super Bowl, we're going to release a, um, a top secret new menu item at Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. But in order to film the commercial... In advance, they supposedly just gave actors like some sort of like a a non edible object to hold, and then later right. on they digitally inserted this new product. What did you say that ch- the? I think it was the quesalupa. Good lord, this is getting and, beyond. And just for, and just for fun, you know, when the commercial came on, I got closer to the TV because I'm yeah. like, okay, so what is it all about? <laughs> and that whole thing was fabricated, you know? right? You said you'd seen the like the, right. the boxes they were holding. There's there's no way that those were actually yeah, they shot particular specific commercials with this green screen background to suggest that it was super top secret and then obviously they shot the real commercial and I wouldn't go so far as to say brilliant but I will say it was pretty slick the other uh, a big one that stands out was uh, the Kevin Hart commercial it was for a car maybe a Chrysler the pre commercial just showed that a guy had to deal with somebody's African-American father. Then the commercial during the Super Bowl, you actually see that it's Kevin Hart. And it becomes, again, one of those commercials that doesn't need audio. You know, Kevin Hart is stalking his daughter. You know, we see the GPS map, Iron Man style, where the car's going. And he turns up everywhere that these two are trying to kiss. And he's stalking his daughter to keep his daughter away from this boy because the car has GPS. I didn't need to hear anything. Yeah, you know, they, they... I just saw Kevin Hart's face all over the place, and I was like... This is cute. I get it. Yeah, it's it's the overprotective father um, kind of trying to watch out for his daughter on her date. And Kevin Hart is so huge right now and so famous that, you know, he, he is very recognizable. He's very memorable. I'll tell you right now, I know it was for a car. Can't remember what car but, it was. But what car exactly? And I did a little homework just because I, I figured I might talk about it. It's for, I think, the Chevy Genesis. But uh, at the time, the commercial was entertaining. It was effective in letting me know the narrative, but what's the product? Yeah. What I remember most about that commercial is after it aired, somebody at the party said, have we reached peak Kevin Hart? What do you guys think about that? (laughs) He's working hard. (laughs) Yeah. I don't feel that, but but I was really kind of late to the uh, Kevin Hart game, so I feel like I'm just starting to appreciate him a lot now, but again, I'm I'm always like five years behind any kind of cultural trend like that. But I do want to mention there was another ad, and this one worries me. When we're going to talk about peak actor, is Jeff Goldblum. Like I love Jeff Goldblum, and I like that he has kind of developed this this weird character later on in his career. He was always like, you know, he was a a pretty straightforward actor who did comedy and did some weird stuff early on and and had interesting characters. But later on in his career, you know, with his work with Tim and Eric and even um, The League, he's a character on The League, and then he's been in a lot of weird commercials. This campaign uh, that he's in here in the States is for Apartments.com, I think. And um, I did not get to see yesterday's. I've seen a bunch of them. Sometimes he's standing in front of just a black background and he's just saying a bunch of weird stuff. Yesterday's was a very elaborate Goldblumian thing. He's playing a big piano as it's being hoisted up to it, a. It's a riff on um, moving on up to the east side um, from the Jeffersons. From the Jeffersons, and he's on, he's sitting at a, a grand piano as it's being hoisted up a giant skyscraper. And when he gets to the top penthouse floor, he says, "Is that George and Wheezy?" And it's someone dressed as. 
George Washington and Lil Wayne. I didn't get to like actually watch that commercial as closely as I wanted to, but I got to say, as somebody who loves Jeff Goldblum and loves this kind of era of him, and you love Lil Wayne, and I love Lil Wayne. I was actually no joke. I was glad to, like I had not heard from him in a long time. I'm glad to see he's doing well after a health scare several years ago. But um, I am worried about Goldblum just getting to. I mentioned to on my other podcast today, like, is he going to become the the Gary Busey? Of the kind of you know twenty fifteens or whatever, is he going to weird it up too much where we get sick of it? Uh, I think I think Goldblum's cashing in, which as he should. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he's played the weird scientist for so many years. Yeah, you know, from the Fly and Jurassic Park. You know, this the the high tech you know apartments dot com guy. I think is very. Um, I, it, it suits him. I feel much better for him doing what he's doing than what Ving Rhames is doing what he's doing. The, uh, the, the the meat guy? The, no, he's uh, promoting some alarm company. Uh, and, you know, he often calls upon the, the role he played in Pulp Fiction uh, um, as kind of being tough and calling shots and maybe even a little uh, Mission Impossible. Okay, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you, tough you know, guy. He seems a little more sexy. He's also, uh, Ving Rhames is also the voice of Arby's We Have the Meats. So I guess he's oh. uh, he's cleaning up on the ad tip. God, I had a case in the meats yesterday, <laughs> but uh, luckily right. that that passed. Um, can, can I just bring up one yeah. more that really kind of just? I mean, it was a phenomenon, obviously, with the cross promotion. You know, Marvel, Coke, um, Turkish Airlines, and D and DC, but Kung Fu Panda and Wix. Like I was really like. Why is Kung Fu Panda building a website? <laughs> yeah, Wix is a it's like it's a consumer it's like a consumer product for people who want to build their own websites. Yeah, right? I'm glad you brought this up, Maurice, because I thought this was a total hot mess. I didn't understand this commercial when it aired. Someone had to explain yeah. to me what it was even for, and then when I went back to watch it today, I still found it completely uncompelling. I think it's too many things wrapped up into uh, too short of a space, and not and there's like it didn't stick the landing for me. At all? What did you think? Do you want? Do you want? Why don't, Andrew, why don't you just quickly play it so we can give people a sense of what? Yeah. It's about. So this is a it's a kung fu panda setting. But what we, what you're going to hear here is they parody other commercials like the famous Budweiser frogs yeah. and um, what's the other one? There's the Old Spice. Oh, I'm on the a old horse. Spice, right. So, but it's all done in the uh, kung fu panda verse. How can we get more customers to come to Ping's Noodles? <gasps> we need a big commercial. Things. Nude. Dolls. Hello, ladies. Look at your panda. Now look at me. I'm on a tiger. Ah! Oh, a commercial is great, but it all starts with a stunning website from Wix.com. Whoa, you use the power of Wix. Wix makes stunning easy. Go to Wix.com. Now, I'd like to jump in here and ask, Nick, Veeves and I do not have kids, so we don't watch a lot of these kids' movies. Maurice, you do have a kid. Um, So is there a chance that you're more kind of steeped in the Kung Fu Panda world than we are? Does this make more sense to you? Yeah, I've definitely watched it a couple times. But, I mean... They, I think they had uh, multiple versions of that. It was this like was also serialized where they had multiple versions throughout the Super Bowl. But the one that really just that moment where he's being Mufasa riding mm-hmm. his friend the tiger and his tiger's like, nah, I ain't playing that. Um, that you know, it, it was it was an excellent moment. The rest of the commercial was forgettable. That moment was hot to me. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly think, like, I see Kung Fu Panda, and I'm kind of like, I don't even, I don't know what's a reference within the universe of Kung Fu Panda. I don't, and it just, it was a lot of stuff being thrown at me really quickly. And it didn't make a lot of sense to me. But again, I really did kind of chalk that up to maybe my kind of, uh, kind of lack of experience in that realm. Uh, Maurice, I am looking at the clock here, and I know that we only have you for um, a a few more minutes before you have to get back to your job. Uh, I know that one thing that really struck you was the Super Bowl Babies Choir. I'm going to play a little bit of this and then maybe... uh, Actually, no. Why don't you set it up first and then we'll play some of it. Can you explain the kind of background of this commercial? This, again, was also serialized where they had little kind of vignettes throughout the Super Bowl. Um, But the, the theme was that essentially every time a town wins a Super Bowl, nine months later their birth rate goes up. And so what the NFL did... Um, was they went and they found choirs of people who were born in those years, so essentially from nine months now to almost 50, because it's Super Bowl 50, and these people are just short of 50, and they had them kind of singing this song with Seal, um, who was a big uh, musician 
back in the, I guess, the late 90s. <laughs> but it was really cool to see that the NFL has been around, had all these generations come out of it, and uh, they had the people um, singing in choirs with their team colors, and it was pretty cool. And it ties into this campaign they have, which is Football is Family, and it's this idea right. of um, you know connecting. And I, I've actually seen a lot of really good kind of Football is Family kind of ads when it comes to the NFL trying to sell their apparel. I think a lot yeah. of people have seen these. Uh, you know, you see maybe a dad in a, what, Lions jersey and a mom in a Browns jersey, but then the grandparents get the little baby a Green Bay Packers jersey or something like that. Right. Like, all about these these loving rivalries within families uh, as expressed by NFL gear. Right, but this exactly. one this one was more about hey babies, um, you were born in some uh, celebratory and probably drunken sex after a football game. Let's take a listen. <laughs> So each class, if you will, of choir is in the, they're in robes uh, in the colors of the team that they were the winning offspring of. And of course, the youngest team was like the Seahawks. Yeah, they're tiny babies. I liked it yesterday, and I think your enthusiasm for it made me like it so much yesterday, Maurice. But then I was talking to my friend today on the other podcast, and he was um, he talked me out of liking it. What was his argument? Well, his argument was, number one, that premise is specious to begin with, that there's some sort of a Super Bowl baby boom. Yeah, and I, I do think that. Um, thinking back to how... The an, NFL is lying to us. <laughs> the fact what? that none of those kids had concussions is also specious. Uh, I honestly, looking back, I think what got me of the whole thing was seeing the, the seeing the little Seahawks babies. Number one, I'm a Seahawks fan. Number two, they're obviously the cutest of the lot because they're, let's see, that would have been two Super Bowls. They're, un, they're about two years old now or something not, Yeah, like not that. even because they'd be like um, nine months after. and... Right. Oh, right, yeah, of course, so like, yeah, so I can't do you're math. In, you're, in a couple, you're in a quarter. Maybe. I also don't understand where babies come from, which is... Um, I was hoping that maybe um, after this episode you could come on my other podcast, Maurice, called Where Do Babies Come From? And you could explain right. some things to me. Don't worry, this is not weird at all. <laughs> um, but I think one of the things that really struck me was... Um, and again, I don't know if it worked in the room, but I had already seen the commercial. Mm-hmm. And they cleverly changed the lyrics to talk about how they were created out of this kind of drunken moment of celebratory sex. And, you know, it, it's super clever if you have time to listen to it proper. But I think it does fail the did it work in the room during the game test. All right. Well, Maurice, uh, thank you so much. I'm sorry you can't spend more time with us, but I know you have a real job to get back to. Thanks so much. We'd love to have you back on sometime. Thanks. This was fun. I love talking about commercials. All right, we'll talk to you soon. That is Maurice Poplar. He's a writer and director, and his upcoming film is Donovan Quixote. Thanks again, Maurice. Thank you. All right, Veeves. Well, before we wrap up our Super Bowl uh, conversation here, were there some more ads that you wanted to get to? There were just one or two that kind of stood out to me. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that the Amazon uh, serialized ad for the Amazon Echo, which is a, mm-hmm. um, it seems like it's just a, a device that sits in your house and answers questions for you. Yeah, it's like, this has been around for a while. If you don't mind me interrupting for one second, the, the product itself never made sense to me. It's like Siri, uh, Siri on yeah. your iPhone, only it is a um, it is a separate standalone device that you buy that's about the size. I mean, it's pretty big. It's, yeah. like, a, it's like a cylinder that sits it's in like the, the corner of, of your water house. Bottle. And you can just talk to it. And it's an Amazon product. So I think what they're going for is down the line, you can just say, uh, I can't, the name is Alexis. I think it answers to the name Alexis or something. Yeah. So you can be like, Alexis, I need more toilet paper. And then Amazon will send you more toilet paper. They're trying to, they're using this device to, to sort of get Amazon into our daily lives. But okay. right now it's a little bit weird. It's just kind of like, Alexis, what's another name for the Super Bowl or who won the Super Bowl in 1972? Yeah, it's bizarre to me that they're trying to engineer us into doing something like that that's separate from your mobile device. Uh, because I think ultimately whatever voice uh, commands you're going to start doing for daily activities like that and getting information or getting more 
toilet paper or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you're going to want to do it through your device. Having said that and leaving that aside, I thought this series of ads with Alec Baldwin, Dan Marino, Missy Elliott, and Jason Schwartzman were very good. They're, this is my favorite kind of ad, to be honest with you. I hmm. love these kind of highly produced, narrative-driven, celebrity-studded little movies that they make. And I thought, and, and and a lot of these people are people that I really like. This is another one that I don't think we talked about in our preview last week, but we, we had it slated talk about. This was another ad where they released an online only teaser. And in that one, you just had Alec Baldwin and Dan Marino, and they were clearly planning a Super Bowl party. And so you knew that in the actual ad that aired during the Super Bowl, we were probably going to see the fruits of their labor. What is this Super Bowl party actually like? Do you think that this is – is it too visual, Veeves, or can I just hit play on this? And, and do you think that um, it will be clear what's going on? Uh, yeah, hit play. I think you can kind of get the gist of it from the audio. Okay, then what I should say is I guess it begins with, you know, there's some music playing and people are dancing. And Dan Marino is dancing as well. He's not the best dancer in the world and Alec Baldwin isn't exactly down with it. Alexa, stop Marino, you definitely have to stop. How you do that? It's my Amazon Echo. I can stream music, order things, and watch this. Alexa, turn on the lights. And he has a massive uh, super uh, snack stadium. Blowing it, bro. Alexa, how many championships has Dan Marino won? Dan Marino has won zero championships. Alexa, how many Oscars has Alec Baldwin won? Alec Baldwin has won zero. Alexa, stop. Well played, Marino. Shame on you! <laughs> this man is a national treasure. Jason, it's all right. No, it's not all right. I will sack this man so hard for you. No, you won't. Gentlemen, we have over 100 million people watching us right now. 100 million people? Hey, Alexa, release that new song, Pep Rally by Missy Elliott. Oh, hey! I think, I think I just love Alec Baldwin in high Alec Baldwin mode. You know, imperious Jack Donaghy. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, and I actually, my favorite part of that is Jason Schwartzman, actually. I just have a real soft spot for him. That's pretty good. They have a follow-up ad that aired later on in the game, and that is, um, it's kind of after part, everybody's uh, hungover. Alec Baldwin's on his bed. He's all hungover. Uh, Jason Schwartzman is in jail, apparently, and they reveal that they were up to some... I think he says, we were bad boys last night. And he does use, uh, Alec Baldwin uses Alexa to order more cashmere socks, so to your point, it's all about uh, getting those Amazon orders in. Right. All right. So what else do we want to talk about? Uh, There was another Hyundai commercial um, for the Elantra, and it was called Ryanville. And it had Ryan Reynolds, um, if I can describe it quickly enough. Basically, these two young ladies are driving their Elantra around town, and they keep on seeing fellas doing things like a cop giving a ticket to a speeding motorist and a bunch of guys playing um, tackle football in their front yard and a guy walking his dogs, all kinds of things. The, The catch is... Every single man in this ad is actually Ryan Reynolds. And the idea is they're so distracted by how cute Ryan Reynolds is that they almost run into another Ryan Reynolds who is crossing the street. But and, their auto-braking car saves Yeah, their auto-braking car saves them. So um, the the issue with – I'm trying to think who it was in the room yesterday, but somebody was like – Actually, I think there was a whole conversation. People yeah. were like, but Ryan Reynolds, like, that's the wrong casting for that. He's not that hot. Yeah, so that was the discussion that came up was like, is Ryan Reynolds hot enough to drive this commercial, right? Is mm-hmm. he hot enough to distract everybody and for him to be the ideal man to populate a town where everybody looks like him? And I will say that there was some other names were thrown out there. I heard, you know, Ryan Gosling. And is Ryan Gosling hotter than Ryan Reynolds? I mean, arguably. Oh yeah. But if I were a single woman, I would still move to Ryanville. Okay, so you're so you weren't one of the detractors of this ad. You're you're into it. You're fine with it. I'm fine with it. Okay. Um, Colgate aired an ad. Was it the first Colgate Super Bowl ad ever? Did I read that somewhere? It may have been the first Colgate Super Bowl ad. It was one of a couple of ads that were more on the uh, sort of social responsibility or corporate social responsibility end of the spectrum. And I thought that they did a nice job with it. Um, The point is that if you leave your tap running while you brush your teeth, you could waste almost four gallons of water. And it makes the point that that's more water than some people uh, have in a week. Uh, good corporate responsibility ad. Good for them. It was fine. Um, I'm going to play this one. The The setting is some sort of really dark steakhouse looking place yeah. with like those those lush red leather booths. And Helen Mirren is sitting there behind a giant burger and a bottle of Budweiser. And um, she's explaining why you shouldn't drink and drive. Hello. 
I'm Helen Mirren, a notoriously frank and uncensored British lady. The collective we are dumbfounded that people still drive drunk. So I'll sum it up like this. If you drive drunk, you, simply put, are a short-sighted, utterly useless, oxygen-wasting human form of pollution, a Darwin Award-deserving, selfish coward. If your brain was donated to science, science would return it. So stop it. Now the chances are you're a fun, solid, respectable human being. Don't be a pillock. Your friends and family thank you. The friends and family of other drivers thank you. Your future self thanks you. This is supposed to be fun. Cheers. Nice and cold. And then she takes the bottle of Budweiser and almost puts it to her lips, but she doesn't quite. Not quite. Not quite. That's what really stands out to me about that. Is and- there a rule that you can't drink on camera? Oh, I didn't think it was that. I thought it was just like Helen Mirren's like, I'll go only so far for this. No, there's some I know that there was, uh, I think, a Heineken ad with Neil Patrick Harris where he makes it. He makes note of it. He he pulls back the curtain to say, I'm going to drink this Heineken, but whatever FCC rules or whatever it is, prohibit me from drinking it on camera. So you just have to listen to how delicious it is. I don't want to say that I know for sure because I haven't looked it up, but I feel like there are some regulations governing how much you can show people drinking on camera for an advertisement for, I see. for liquor. I don't know why I didn't love that ad so much. It just seems like it was just everybody thought they were being so clever yeah. ahead of time or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, felt, it felt to me the same way, like, ooh, we got Helen Mirren. Right. I mean, I love Helen Mirren, but I didn't think it was super well executed. I would never be able to recognize her voice in a um, named that voice actor, <laughs> by the way. So uh, don't even try. She wasn't the British lady. No, that Who that was, was the British Emma lady? Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. See, I really... I uh, I have no cultural uh, touch point for any of those. All right, Genevieve, uh, any other Super Bowl commercials we must hit on? We have a lot of feedback to get to, don't we? We've got a ton of feedback, so let's move on to the Ad Council. Everybody's talking at me I don't hear words saying Only the echoes of my mind to start by thanking listener Taylor, who sent in uh, what I believe constitutes a Super Bowl ad, although it was a local ad, uh, for uh, a, a company called Michael & Son. This was in the D.C. area. Uh, Michael & Son are a plumbing and heating company, and they sort of have, I think, a local reputation for doing these pretty somewhat star-studded kind of crazy local ads during the Super Bowl, so they're able to get you know, in a local market, they're able to get Super Bowl placement, uh, which, of course, costs, you know, exponentially less than uh, a nationally placed Super Bowl ad, you know, nowhere near the, the five million or whatever it costs for a, a 30 second spot. But by doing it with um, the right celebrities and the right kind of like kooky local virality of these ads, they're able to get an outsized uh, kind of publicity bump. So this year was one with Mike Tyson. I'm, I think if you give it a play, you, you can kind of get the gist of it from the audio. Basically, there's a boxing match going on. The two boxers in the ring are Mike Tyson's son, uh, whose name I've forgotten, but his his son, and he is uh, boxing uh, like kind of an anonymous white guy. And the white guy is beating Mike Tyson's son, and then Mike Tyson steps in the ring. Going into round eight. Fight is on. I can't do it. Vanilla Gorilla is taking this fight. The Vanilla Gorilla. Uh Someone's getting into the ring. That's Mike Tyson. If you can't, we can. If you can't, we can. Michael and (laughs) Man, they have a budget. I know. Well, um, but the guy, so there's an interesting article about this in the Washington Post. They spent less than you think. They had been the, the guy Michael and Son, or the guy who owns Michael and Son. I guess Michael um, had been trying for several years, I think, to get Mike Tyson into one of his uh, his Super Bowl ads. Couldn't quite make it happen. The Mike Tyson's people wanted too much, and then he realized that through six degrees of separation, he knows someone who knows someone who knew Mike Tyson. The article is hilarious. There's a quote in the article where he talks about his friend Fawad, uh, who knows someone who knows someone who knows Mike Tyson. He says, me and Fawad, we roll together. 
So it's this whole great illustration of the principle six degrees of separation that if you're just willing to figure out who you know, who knows the right person, uh, you can really make anything happen. This this guy, uh, this plumbing and heating guy is just so fearless with his like, uh, you know, celebrity endorsement mm-hmm. seeking. You know, did you see that uh, article last week? And I'm, I didn't even read it. It was one of those things that I'm kind of so dubious of. And it might have even been a report released by Facebook. And if that's the case, I'm really dubious of it. <laughs> but apparently the new six degrees of separation is 3.5 degrees of separation because of Facebook oh. and social media and stuff like that. Like, think about the most famous person and there may be a chance you're only 3.5 degrees of separation away from that person. It doesn't surprise me that much, actually. Right. And I mean, that's... It's got to be something like that. Yeah, right? you would think it must be. And I, you know, and I think the six degrees of separation was always kind of apocryphal anyway so it'd be interesting to know uh what if that 3.5 number is is scientifically validated i don't like the looks of this i see something on the show sheet here that says we have a correction to make as you know i do not apologize and i do not make mistakes and i certainly don't correct any mistakes well you don't have to apologize for anything (laughs) i misspoke uh in our last episode i said that budweiser and anheuser-busch were competitors budweiser is actually an anheuser-busch product i wondered about that as a matter of fact no i i'm as guilty as you are because you raised it and i was like oh no yeah i guess i remember even kind of giving you the backup i was just thinking miller i think and i i got them confused what else we got um this is from listener ann um she sent this in, I think, on our Facebook page, and, and she said, um, I saw this ad for the first time tonight, and after it was over, I realized I was making a weird, horrified, incredulous face. I'm pretty sure I'm less likely to buy Fiber One bars now, and I concur. <laughs> okay, I have not seen this one yet. Is this something that... Oh, I have seen this it's one. It's disgusting. Oh, now that I see the first frame of it, I have. So we see a fella who looks like he is pregnant, yes. right? While his wife is Yeah, and I don't think it car. really bears playing because I don't really? think there's okay. a ton of audio except maybe at the end. This man who who appears to be pregnant um, is going about his life uh, with his wife. He's got a backache. He's, uh, you know, he's he's being offered a seat on the bus because of his his condition. Uh, you know, he really looks like he's just he has this baby that he's about to deliver. And then he walks by a men's room, comes out flat stomached. He has delivered his poop baby. So, so get a fiber one bar. So gross. Yeah, that is it is. And also fiber one. No, and it's bad fiber a, bar. It's bad not, fiber bar. It's not even a, a pill you're supposed to take to do this. That would be gross enough. But it's actually a food. Yeah. So I just watch this and then I'm going to be like, I'm hungry for a fiber one. Like, I know that's not exactly supposed to be the takeaway, but like, but it is. It's, it's food nasty. related. It's it is nasty. really, really nasty. Yeah. Shame on you. Like you say, bad fiber one bar. Um, let's see what else. Do, oh, by the way, I did want to kind of mention. Um, we kind of glossed over there were a couple of very notable gross ads in yesterday's Super Bowl um, there was the uh, the one with the w- uh, walking talking high five and uh, large intestine yep gross the, that was for um, I think irritable bowel syndrome some sort of solution to that Z- Zyphazan or something and then there were a couple more of those um, opioid induced constipation pills yeah. and you make a great point the reason we're seeing so many ads for OIC opioid induced constipation is that doctors are prescribing so many pain pills right yeah. now. Everybody has got OIC. Matter of fact, we got an email. I think this actually maybe came to my TBTL account, so I, I don't know the person's name off the top of my head. I want to say it's listener Bill in Toronto wrote in to say the reason those drive me crazy is because these um, commercials keep on talking about how doctors are prescribing pain pills for chronic pain. And this person was like, you're not supposed to prescribe pain pills for chronic pain that is for acute pain Mm -hmm. if you have chronic pain you can't just be handing out pills for that so it's unclear whether or not the complaint is what the reality in life is that doctors are misprescribing or if the complaint by the listener was that it's just bad copy editing and copywriting but it is an interesting point that's not how you treat chronic pain yeah we do really i really do want to do a pharma show at some point yeah yeah we should uh what else is in the old mailbag um, listener Nick uh, posted to the Facebook page a response ad, kind of in the vein of what we talked about last week, where somebody uh, di- responds directly to a campaign from a competitor. And I like this one. Um, these are very old commercials. Uh, they, I don't, I, I don't think they were ever digitized, so the the footage of them is like just of somebody's TV. But uh, Ford famously, I guess, did commercials where they would pile Chevy trucks on top of the 
the bed of the truck and have a, a Ford truck pull and carry Chevy trucks up a hill, Chevy responded with the same idea, except in addition to carrying Ford trucks in its in its bed, it was also pulling a mountain, <laughs> believe it or not. I mean, we'll post it to the Facebook page again. It's, it's very visual, but they have this Chevy truck appearing to pull uh, an actual mountain down the road. This is the new shape of tough, the 87 big Ford pickup. And to prove its toughness and power, we're going to haul this Chevy up this monster mountain of boulders while towing this Dodge. And this year, a GMC pickup too. This aerodynamic Ford has the biggest V8 engine. And a- As a kid who grew up going to tractor pulls in Ohio, <laughs> I love this. Multi-port fuel-injected six standard. And there's more news. Now, there's a six-year, 60,000-mile powertrain warranty on all 87 Ford-like trucks. The best-built American truck, seven years running, built Ford. Okay, so, so that was the Ford ad. Here's the Chevy You've ad. seen Ford do this for years. But now, there's a big new Chevy with enough power to not only haul tons of trucks up this mountain, but also tow away the entire mountain. The Just advanced pulling like a giant Chevy. pile of rocks <laughs> with a couple of Ford trucks sitting on it. <laughs> it is exactly like a tractor pull, by yes. the way. This is what they look like. I do not remember those ads at all. I, I forgot about that. The heartbeat of America, by the way, that took me back. The reason I wanted to play something from it is because I want to credit um, the person who posted that to YouTube, uh, whose name is IDI Diesel John, and uh, his description of the video is freaking cool commercials back in the day. <laughs> and I agree. Those are freaking cool commercials back in the day. Um, we have one more piece of listener feedback that I wanted to uh, get to. This is from listener Justinia. Justinia, I hope I'm saying your name correctly. Uh, and she's responding to the assertion that we made on our um, booze ad show, our liquor ad I'm show. I'm going with Justina. I'm sorry. Well, she's Russian. No, I'm sorry. She's Polish. Um, oh, okay. Okay. It's, it's a why. But anyway, Justina, Justinia, however, however it should be said. Uh, when we had our show about spirits um, with uh, our friend Ben Harrison, we sort of asserted that Within a, within a spectrum of vodka, your basic vodka tastes the same. And if you're going to make a mixed drink, doesn't matter if you're using, uh, you know, Kettle One or Absolute. Like, yeah. they're all pretty much the same. And unsurprisingly, uh, some folks from the uh, Eastern European side of the world uh, disagreed. Justina writes, I'm Polish and I'm married to a Russian, so our relationship with vodka is different from the average American's. Vodka literally means little water as a term of endearment. We Slavic folks drink vodka that's been stored in the freezer, and we drink it as shots with a zakuska, which is an appetizer of to chase it. And here's the thing. If you're drinking neatly, neat, highly chilled shots of vodka rather than a mixed drink, you can tell the good from the bad. So this brings me to the now famous family story of my father-in-law, Alex. He was out with some colleagues, and they were saying, you know, what we said about vodka, that no one can tell them apart by flavor, and he disagreed. So they made a bet. They each bet him like $50 that he wouldn't be able to tell Absolute, Grey Goose, Smirnoff, and a cheap rock gut brand apart from just tasting it. They blindfolded him and had the bartender pour the four shots. And of course, he was able to tell them apart because it was easy for him and he can do it every time. Um, So she says uh, she can't do this feat herself, but she can taste the difference between brands and that her favorite shot is Belvedere, although Tito's is very good. And actually, we've Hmm. been to a bar where someone told us Tito's was good as well. So free PR for Tito's. Um, but if you're having mixed drinks, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and I think that's what Benjamin said. Benjamin said for mostly for mixed drinks, it doesn't matter. He said, of course, you have the high-end vodkas that people, if they are drinking it. He didn't go into quite as much detail, but he acknowledged that. Like I was at a um, some sort of a, a public radio event at like kind of a, a fancy rich donor's house a, a year or two ago. I'm mm-hmm. just trying to brag here. <laughs> um, but um, there was an author there who had just gotten back from, or who had just published a book about his Russian adventures. And, and so to match the theme, they had a bartender there who had some, you know, very high end vodkas of different brands, stuff that I had never heard of. I think they were all, well, they were all Russian vodkas. And so, of course, you know, he was mixing them for us. He was trying, he, having us try different shots and distinguish the taste. So I do think that, especially if you have a, a really refined palate and you're drinking it that way in the in the old school way sure but i mean if you're making a bloody mary good lord don't put you know don't don't waste the good stuff in there 
Sometimes don't even put any vodka in, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, right, Zachary? Am I right? <laughs> I listened to episode 10. Um, all right, is that it? Are we good? I think we're good. You can sell anything. You can sell anything. All right, that will do it for this week's After These Messages. My name again, Andrew Walsh, as Genevieve has over there. And Genevieve, where can people see all of these commercials that we talked about today? I will, as always, post them to our Facebook page, which is After These Messages Show on Facebook. You can email us at After These Messages Show at Gmail. Leave us an iTunes review. We would love to get an iTunes yeah. review from you. And please give us a call on our voicemail, which is 607 444 Five five nine seven. Yeah, again, 607-444-5597. You can leave us a voicemail about anything TV commercial related, something that you love, something that you hate. And we've also been encouraging the young folks, our youngest listeners or maybe your children, have a commercial that they love or hate or want to weigh in on. We love hearing from the youth of America. So thanks, everybody, for uh, listening in today. And we will talk to you again next Tuesday. You can-